You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Arabosco Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR 855am and digital. And this morning, uh, that was a little bit of a different start to the show instead of a bit of dance hall. That was Fats Waller with his rocking bicycle. Oh, that's a really jointy little tune to start off your Monday with. Anyway, thank you for Democracy Now! for the last hour or so of current affairs. This is Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. My name's Chris and this is a show about bicycles and related transport issues coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. And... uh, had a lot going on in the last week. Uh, you may have seen on page nine of the Age Today an article about Warmer Street. I'll talk about that a bit more in a moment. Also, it's on the uh, online edition. Today's interview is with David Blom. Uh, he's from Whitehorse Cyclists. He's talking about a really interesting bit of lateral thinking and uh, utilising underutilised. Uh, existing road infrastructure for bicycle uh, provision. So, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. And it's not just based around the inner suburbs. This is for Metro Melbourne, uh, rural Victoria, and it's r- really quite good. Um, it's one of those things of like, how come someone didn't come up with this earlier? Well, actually, they have in rural Victoria. But anyway, I'll let uh, David explain that in the moment. Uh, also, last week... Um, you may be aware that every two to three months that the uh, Yarra Council has the Yarra Bicycle Advisory Committee meetings, uh, which is an advisory committee which is open to the public and people who are interested in cycling issues. Well, occasionally we get presentations from um, people come along. We had um, a bloke come along from the local... Uh, Collingwood uh, Police Station talking to us last week about bicycle theft and the like. But we had um, a really good talk from a guy who came along from Parks Victoria. And the reason why I'm telling you this is there's finally news afoot for Gipp Street Steps that uh, many of you would be either cursing or you actually like because you get a good cardiovascular workout. But uh, plans are afoot to turn Gipp Street Steps into a ramp and they're actually looking at a range of options to replace the steps and they're at uh, on the main Yarra Trail in Abbotsford and many people will be familiar that that's where you scoot across on Collins Bridge to go up to the Bully. But um, at, at the moment uh, the existing concrete steps inhibit people with prams, cyclists and those with limited mobility. So it's not just riders, it's a mobili- mobility issue issue. So they're currently consulting adjoining uh, landowners, local residents and other key stakeholders. So um, this is looking quite good. If you want to find out more about it, go to Parks Victoria website and look up Gip Street Steps. They've actually uh, put together a purpose email there. So it's a Gip Street 
Gip Street ramp at parksvic.gov.au. So they've actually got a URL up and the rest of it. We've put something up on our website with a little bit of back history because it's been going on for such a long time. But as someone explained to me in the last fortnight, sometimes it takes almost a decade from suggestion to implementation. Okay. Uh, if you would have uh, known if you ride through the Gip, or not the Gip Street area, but further south... Walmart Street, which is something that uh, a lot of people go through every day. And uh, if you've been down there recently, you would have seen that there's some display apartments built right on the line of the ramp. But um, an article that's appeared in The Age today, and I'll get a quote in it because, of course, we have some concerns, but it's to do with, like, uh, redesigning Walmart Street with a, a, a development that's happening nearby. And... Probably best to read the article to get uh, uh, a feel for if you're not aware of it. There's a change.org petition at the moment, and that's been put together by local residents. So it's not just, again, one of the a cyclist issue. It's an accessibility issue. And I think this is something where a bit more thought and a bit more planning have got to go into it. Because basically, in the article, uh, Craig Richards from Basketball Network has quoted yeah, there's, they had a traffic impact study attached to the proposal for this development where the actual um, street itself, you know, it's a little cul-de-sac that comes off the end of um, Burnley Street. Um, it's used by 45 vehicles a day, but the actual traffic impact thing um, ignored the fact that um, hundreds of cyclists use it every day, let alone pedestrians and the like. And I think it's something if you have very big concerns about, I would contact Richard Wynne directly because he's the planning minister and also he is the local member for this area. It's not just, again, it's not just people in this immediate area. There's a lot of uh, ecological concerns as well down there as well. Like there's the vineyard, there's, um, you would know that uh, there's some interesting wildlife down there. I've seen I've seen very large indigenous lizards that like swimming in water. Um Getting, uh, just sunning down there as well. And also I've seen them along uh, up near Collins Bridge. Oh, God, I can't remember the name of them. Water dragons, that's it. But um, And there was we had the, uh, I believe last summer, was it or just before, we had the Yarra Seal. Not, not as um, well known as the Sydney Steps or the Sydney Opera House Seal, but we, we've got the Melbourne Seal that likes coming up the Yarra. But anyway... Um, it'd be really worth you having a look at that article and also not just for the uh, article itself and the concerns but great photograph there by Simon from The Age. He managed to get this. It was a bloke uh, riding across with his dog, beautiful black glossy dog in a backfits. I mean very Melbourne the backfits at the moment. I think it's up there with a the Uber in terms of cargo bikes and um, people utilising their bikes not just to get around but to carry stuff and family members like a beloved doggy. Anyway I'm going to be back in a moment and I'll be talking to David Blom about using service roads for bicycle infrastructure. From remote communities to the big cities and representative of our many different voices, cultures, languages and beliefs, Community Radio is the voice of local communities. But this voice is being threatened. The recent federal budget has reduced funding for Community Digital Radio, a move that puts all Community Digital Radio services at risk. Show your support for live and local voices by signing the petition 
at keepcommunityradio.org.au. Help keep the community in your radio. Today on Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, I'm speaking to David Blom from Whitehorse Cyclists about an interesting idea developed about existing infrastructure in Victoria. David. Yes, Chris. I suppose I want to talk first about the potential for the use of service lanes that we've got here throughout Victoria. And we have in Melbourne a line more than 250 kilometres of service lanes that could quite easily be linked up with short little connectors, little cut-throughs. And there are a few locations around the place where this has been done. For example, Stud Road uh, in Monterna and quite a number of the country towns, Wangaratta, Wodonga, Shepparton, they all seem to have these sort of treatments. So, yeah, how did you actually come to this idea of using existing infrastructure to you know, put in stuff like this? The first that I actually saw of it was actually uh, going along Burwood Highway when they put the new tram route to Vermont South in. Um, they actually put in these sort of connectors, but they weren't the greatest in the world. They uh, kicked you out into Burwood Highway eventually. But um, I then did a bit of research and discovered that they do this sort of thing in the Netherlands, in Germany, and in places that look very similar in terms of major highway going at very high speed and a very quiet service lane next door. Yeah, because uh, this is something potentially for Victoria, because I, like, uh, I don't know how how they do it in other states but for in the outer suburbs where you don't have as much contested space as we do in the inner suburbs this could be a really good quick uh, rollout for bicycle infrastructure yeah it's an amazingly simple rollout and it can connect some um, very far-flung places very cheaply it gives you a wonderful feeling just riding alongside in a nice quiet space whilst um, the traffic is just zipping along beside you about the actual potential for off-road routes, how many would you think of that's actually within the Melbourne area alone which you could think of or you know, want to give an example? Well, the major ones off the top of my head would be going along the Nepean Highway. You could, linking hopefully up with the Copenhagen lanes that they're planning all the way down through to St Kilda, you could potentially never see a car or have to interact with a car all the way from the Melbourne CBD uh, down to uh, Mordialic where that finishes. Um, going along Burwood Highway, you could go from Ferntree Gully in the east to East Burwood quite easily and, again, never interact with the main highway traffic. And there's some nice little bits of bike path along that one. Maroondah Highway can get you all the way from around Nutterwadding all the way out towards Lilydale and linking up with the wonderful Warburton Trail experience. So there's plenty of potential for tourism along there. Dandenong Road can get you all the way from um, down around Beaconsfield all the way towards Caulfield. It's a fantastically long uh, section of highway that's just so underutilised from a cycling point of view. And finally, out west, we've got Ballarat Road and Geelong Road as far as the major sections are concerned. But if you look 
all throughout Melbourne, you'll find a fantastic array of service lanes that could just be used in such a fashion. Yeah, with the sexual service lanes, would there be any issues with like uh, existing parking or anything like that? Or is it just that's a given that you're thinking that the actual space could be repurposed? For many of these laneways, there are issues with a bit of parking, but for, for many of the residential area ones, there's just clear space all the way through. Join with Moreland residents in support of a diverse and inclusive society. Moreland says no to racism. Rally on Saturday the 28th of May at 11am. Gather at Coburg Library, corner of Victoria Street Mall and Louisa Street. After the rally in March, there will be speakers and music. Stop the forced closure of Aboriginal communities, let the refugees in and say no to Islamophobia. Moreland says no to racism. For more information and to RSVP, head to the Facebook event. Rally, Moreland says no to racism. A 3CR supporter. And we're just going to go into the second part of an interview I did with David Blom. And this is about uh, using sign roads and unused road infrastructure for bicycle provision. The use of colour and wayfinding, what do you find in what we could u- utilise here, um, similar to what we've done or what uh, Boris Johnson did in uh, London with the bi- branding of the bicycle um, superhighways? Yeah, Boris, I think, copped a lot of flack for his immediate solution of putting down a lot of blue paint. However, it did give cyclists a path to follow, a location to go through, and it also really did show the way to get places. And by using colour and numbering of routes, it makes wayfinding a heck of a lot easier. It means that you can get to locations uh, with a lot more ease, Uh, There are some people who like the idea of the the Dutch um, point numbering system. Uh, Anything like that would really make a cyclist's life easier. It would point you to a better way, a more direct way or a quieter way or a safer way. Yeah, because that's the thing, again, from a Victorian perspective, we've got ubiquitous white line marking. It really doesn't kind of like give the the the, yeah, the thing of yeah this is uh, an EBL or, or cycle lane, but neither does it do that uh, extra thing you were talking about wayfinding. It is can get quite quite confusing if stuff you know like some of that paint's been rubbed out or it's been worn, or the lane drops out, or it ends, or it finishes, or it just dumps you in the middle of the road or a dead end. We get that a lot around the inner suburbs, like you know, rematerialise over here, dematerialise there, and yeah, the wayfinding stuff. We've got to go towards a better, clearer way of signposting or giving people, you know, where you where you can ride. Because to bring this into thing, last week both of us were at a uh, briefing for I think it was it Active Transport Victoria. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and this came up about wayfinding. Yeah, and. The thing that really sort of um, disappointed me about that meeting was there was no examples of where they'd be putting treatments, what form they'd take and how they were going to do it. 
And there seemed to be no sort of roadmap in any form of the consultation as far as what they were actually going to be doing. Yeah, because it's come up before and many people who ride on off-road uh, trails would know that the signage and the wayfinding changes from council to council and it can get extremely confusing even for people who use paths quite regularly. And it's overdue that there was some type of um, universal wayfinding or you know, path markings in Victoria. You especially get that sort of experience when you're on the Gardener's Creek Trail. Quite often you can actually miss the bridge that you want to go across and end up in a dead-end way. Yeah, because you know, getting back to like, uh, what uh, Boris did with the Cycle Superhighways, now you've got a new Mayor of uh, London who's actually going to uh, take up that and extend it even further. Yeah, it seems like Ken Livingston got London to crawl as far as the congestion charge was concerned, Boris started to get London walking to continue the metaphor and the new mayor seems to want to run. have to do something over there because it's a, relatively, uh, London is tiny compared to Melbourne in terms of the footprint, but the amount of people living there, and you just can't force cars through the area. You know, the personal transport modes, you've got to look at either PT walking, mixed mode or, you know, a bicycle. Yeah, but we have the same sort of issues here mm. and I, I was at a party on the weekend and I heard the same complaint that I hear on a regular basis. Oh, my drive into work's good until I hit about three kilometres to go and that last three kilometres takes me about an hour. When mm. you just sort of think, well, if you could park your car somewhere, get out your bike and ride on into your work, you'd probably save yourself half an hour each way every day. And you pick up that active transport uh, bonus of like you're actually moving around instead of moving from um, office pod to the coffee machine or whatever, <laughs> you know, or yeah. from the car park to the office. And obesity is an extremely, extremely um, big factor out here in the suburbs. Yeah, because like, you know, you know, with this show, we, we're mainly based around the inner suburbs, but from the outer suburbs' perspective, where can you see using these off-road routes to get people going? Do you reckon do you reckon there'd be a pickup? Yeah, look, we're already seeing a pickup along the Box Hill to Ringwood Rail Trail, even though it's uh, only partially complete. There's a very interesting feature within Strava called the heat map, and you can see over parts of the trail that were built in the past 12 months, all of a sudden materialise over the period of 12 months so much more activity along uh, this particular corridor. Yeah, and do you see people using it to like either go to place of work or shopping or school, that sort of thing? Is that starting to kind of re-establish itself? It is starting to re-establish itself, but also uh, we're seeing a big uptake in terms of the recreational cycling and it's... In particular, mums, dads, families, kids, all going along the fully separated bike path network. Uh, the best example of this would be the city of Knox, where it's got the most fantastic infrastructure in the state, perhaps in the country. And that's something a lot of people outside of the area probably wouldn't know about. Yeah, and it's very disappointing that you can't really cross the Dandenong Creek uh, if you're adverse to riding with traffic to get over there to ride on this fantastic infrastructure. So anything that we can do to actually link into what we've already got. Like we've got some amazing trails out there and it's a bit like a, a spider web all around the city of Melbourne. 
But you see areas, if you're just looking purely at the off-road trails, where we have gaps in the network, like we don't have in the west a gap from the Federation Trail along the west gate to Spotswood. You can't get from the Witten Oval to the Maribyrnong River. To the east, you can't get along the Belgrave-Lilydale line. You can't get anywhere to, um, south along the Dandenong line. Just those simple connections would really open things up. And to the north of the city, there seems to be no east-west connection between the Capital City Trail and the Ring Road. Yeah, which, yeah. Which would massively open cycling to so many yeah, because you'd know, like, in the last, what, 20, 25 years, when that Gardner's Trail link opened up onto the main Yarra Trail, that that was one of the main things that really got cycling for transport in Melbourne going, from the Eden at Reese to the, to the CBD. Also very interesting to look at what happens when a suburb is connected via a path. Burwood, for example, has more than double the commuter cycling than Surrey Hills does despite both being the same distance from the city. Glenroy has more than double that of Airport West. Altona, Williamstown, places that are along the trail along the beach there have double and triple the amount of cyclists commuting than Altona North does, all because they have a simple path that people can commute on. Yeah, and can branch off and then do those, that, like the transport you know, connectivity that they want to do, where they're either going to a mate's place or family or school or shopping. And it's building that up. Yeah, it is. And also these trails really do have multiple levels of activity. Come Monday morning, they're a commuter route. Then sort of in the lunchtime, you'll get many joggers out there or you'll get a different form of traffic, you'll get the school kids at one particular time. Again, in the evening, it becomes a commuter route. But then come the weekend, this weekend, for example, I was out at Eltham North and it was a path that's used quite heavily for commuting. But on the weekend, it was all families, couples, people going out for a gentle ride and the odd uh, lycra-clad rider wanting to push it a little bit harder. To any of our listeners who are over 65, no longer working, still living at home and have a diagnosis of depression, please grab a pen and paper now. A PhD student at Victoria University wants older people with depression to share their experiences. The focus is on self-management, strategies you use to look after yourself. You do a survey and a one-to-one -one interview. There are a few eligibility criteria, but if you're interested, please contact Meg Polachek on 0448 056 591. That's 0448 056 591. She also has a website at megsresearch.com. That's all lowercase and all one word, megsresearch.com. A 3CR supporter. number please. And you're listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855 AM and Digital. And it's going to go into the final part of an interview I did with uh, David about um, using service roads for cycling. You're saying like um, around Melbourne itself, getting back to like these service roads, there's about 250k, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. It's quite phenomenal just how many kilometres 
of infrastructure that we do have. And these are very direct because they follow the main highways. Oh, this, is, this is good, really good uh, qu- question I just thought of was, have you thought of doing, a, doing an overlay with this with the existing PBN? Do you, would you find that of any use? Or do you reckon we should be starting to look at different ways of moving around the city instead of something that's been brought up like the principal bike network? Most of the roads that are involved here do follow the principal bike network. The one big exception being Burwood Highway, where they seem to have neglected the fact that there is this option of using the service roads. And there are many sections there as well where there's a very wide nature strip that could also be utilised to make further connections as you head further in towards Deakin Uni and eventually the Gardeners Creek Trail. So you've obviously made uh, submissions to this. You've got it on the White Horse Cyclist website. But where can people pick this up in terms of, okay, you can have a look at this, the documents that you've put together, but how can we get uh, local councils and government to actually look at this stuff properly? Yeah, if we want to see, like, the, the, you know, like it's almost like you could get a rapid implementation of this stuff if they were utilising a bit of critical thinking and go, look, this is already here, we can do these linkages. I think once Active Transport Victoria is up and running, they are the people that we really do need to be hitting hard about this. And we also need to be making representations to the ministers, not just the Transport Minister uh, Luke Donnellan, but also we need to be speaking to the opposition ministers and yep. to members of the Greens party. Samantha Dunn in particular is very interested in such things. And we need to be approaching this from all angles, not just the single point of contact yeah, being the transport minister. Yeah, because this is something we were both at. Now, there was actually, it was a room of people who went along to this on was it last Tuesday. There was a, a strategy briefing for Active Transport Victoria. And it was to do with, you know, the, there was a re-refresh of like the cycling strategy they're doing in Victoria. The, oh, I think we've, we've heard of that for the last 18 months. But do you want to give the listener an um, overview of, just a quick overview of what you saw last Tuesday? Because we didn't actually get any takeaway stuff, did we? No, we didn't. And we were presented with, I suppose, what were the aims and goals of of the strategy rather than what they were actually going to present us with, where they were actually going to try to put infrastructure in and what their methodology was going to be for putting that down. They made a lot of talk about trying to promote active transport as something that's good for everybody and they want to encourage the use of cycling, but they never look to do anything to discourage the use of the motor vehicle as a method for commuting or dropping the kids off at school. They, they really didn't have anything really sort of firm or concrete in terms of plans that they wanted to take to everyone. The one thing that I did get out of it is that Active Transport Victoria is, is going to be a whole-of-government response which is kind of interesting considering that most of us have been, you know, dealing with so many different agencies and stuff to do with local councils that we will have, you know, well, this would be a mini kind of portfolio within the state government that we can actually go to. So it, potentially it's interesting, but I'm yet to be convinced. I've, you know, apparently, was it the strategy launch is going to be in July of this year? And it'll be interesting to see what they've actually come up with and how much they've taken on board as far as the feedback from most of the people who actually ride a bike in the first place. 
people were being very firm and robust in their opinions on this night, especially around mandatory helmet legislation. And the safety aspect I, I felt very disappointed about because the, the actual engineering of our roads is, you know, basically purpose for one form of transport, and that's a very fast form of transport, where what you've been saying about potential off-road routes, it can be repurposed and re-engineered for really good uh, rapid implementation for cyclists. Yeah, and it's something that can be done without the motor car losing out, per se. It's yeah. something that is so simple, and it's something that I think even uh, the most diehard of motoring enthusiasts would be inclined to support. Well, it's a, I've got to admit, it's a brilliant bit of lateral thinking there, David. I mean, you know, it's the sort of thing, you, you, unless someone comes to you with a new, a new appraisal of an existing um, piece of infrastructure, you wouldn't have thought of it. Always, I suppose, interesting or useful to have a look at something with fresh eyes or to have a look at something that occurs around the world. It's only sort of by luck that they decided to try this along Burwood Highway in the first place and part of the Knox network was along the service lane in the first place that led me to think about this. I think we've got the genesis here of something that's pretty damn good and can, you know, within the next couple of years it could take off if uh, either Active Transport Victoria, this new body, and or LGA's local government associations pick this up. So if people want to find out more, they can go to whitehorsecyclist.org.au and was it forward slash advocacy slash forward slash uh, service lanes? That is correct. Yeah, I've got to admit, White Horse Cyclists, you're one of the more active uh, riding groups in Melbourne for, you know, that sort of commuter stuff or, you know, recreational stuff, because I'm always seeing people around in the jerseys. <laughs> yeah, they're very bright and noticeable, the <laughs> blue and yellow. Yeah, because, yeah, around here we've got Derribin and we've got a lot of, you know, roadies and stuff around the boulevard. Yeah, but you're always seeing White Horse around you. Everyone seems to think that it, this inner suburbs is the place where you ride, and I think that's a misnomer because most of Melbourne is extremely rideable. Yeah, but there are a few places where you seem to have black holes as far as level of service is concerned. Trying to get through Burundara is um, never fun. No, it's not fun, and we've got an issue going on at the moment with Warmler Bridge with uh, the ramps, which anyone who reads the paper today should see an article in there about that, and um, yours truly is quoted in it. It's problematic because it's that's, again, we're getting a lot of this with rise of population where public space is being utilised for private means, and we have to be very careful what gets planned. Very true. Well, David, it's been great talking to you today. Uh, I'll put all the links up on the podcast. And if what, people want to contact you, they can contact you via the Whitehorse Cyclist site? Yes, that's correct. Right. It's been great talking to you today, David, about this idea for, to do with off-road cycling plans that utilise existing infrastructure. And that's all we got time for this week on Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio. Our podcast should be up later today. And don't forget um, to look out for the Age article today about Warmler Street. It's uh, worth reading and also getting involved with if you're concerned about what's happening in that area, considering that we've got good news from Parks Victoria about the Gipps Street steps now soon to be ramp if the works go ahead. Anyway, I'm going to go out with, uh, I reckon, a bit more um, Fats Domino. Oh, no, no, it's the Maccabees, I believe. Anyway, I'll see you in about a fortnight's time, and up next is Dirt Radio.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.